Good morning. We want to welcome everybody to the March 10th Ag Market Network Cotton Broadcast. We want to start off by thanking Bayer for being our sponsor and making this program possible. We want to remind our listeners that the opinion of our speakers is not necessarily the opinion of our sponsors of the Ag Market Network, nor are we endorsing any specific futures or options strategies. Let me introduce our speakers. Uh, we'll be led today by Kip Butts, also joined by Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Dr. John Robinson, and Gerald Nieper. Uh, we will start now. Kip, thanks for being with us and leading off with a discussion of the cotton market. Well, good morning. Thank you, Pat. Good morning, everyone else. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. We, uh, we're going to start off just by doing an overview of the, um, the supply-demand report we received yesterday. USDA's WASDE report in March gave us, I think for most people, much what we expected. The uh, U.S. numbers um, showed an increase in the, um, in the production. Uh, more importantly, the long-awaited increase in, uh, in exports, I think maybe USDA took heed to uh, our conversation last week and several others who have been sort of uh, disappointed USDA hasn't reacted because of the strong export program we've got. We'll talk about that in, in a few minutes a little, in a little bit more detail. Uh, ending stocks in the U.S. went from 4.8 to 4.5, certainly a step in the right direction, although I think some folks were disappointed that the uh, the export sales were you know, offset to a degree by that increase in production. Been nice for USDA to have waited a month to do that uh, that production, according to some of the folks I talked to yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me. We look at the uh, more from the aggregate uh, numbers. Uh, March beginning stocks were increased 250,000 bales. That was due to a uh, increase in Australia's production last year. So that increase uh, worked through essentially just to the uh, to the ending stocks. Uh, production was increased 300,000 in the world. Mill use was reduced marginally, down about 90,000. And ending stocks increased 580,000 bales. We have to realize 53% of that increase was the Australian uh, production increase in the year before. However, that still goes to the stock number, and that's still not the best uh, scenario to have is increasing stocks. Um, I like to look at the uh, world, less U.S. and China. And that went up from 36.25 to 3708, uh, which takes us to a stock to use for the same statistic uh, from 79.7 to 50.8. And that, that's a little disconcerting. We've been seeing that number go the other direction. That's what we're wanting it to, to do. But uh, this is still a one-time deal. It's kind of a blip. We're going to see up and downs these markets uh, in the monthly reports, rather. And so you can't take each one to be... Uh, to be the know-all, end-all, are necessarily a trend. We've got to see several, several months of the same thing for that. Just a few pointed little things. Imports in uh, India were increased uh, about 400,000. Uh, Turkey saw a decrease in imports, also a decrease in mill use. That's the reason why the imports went down, I'm, I'm sure. And the uh, domestic use in Indonesia went up and in Vietnam. Uh, of course, with the increase in Vietnam usage, the uh, the imports were, were boosted up a little bit as well. That's kind of, you know, there weren't a whole lot in this report. I think the uh, the thing that was most uh, uh, got people's attention was the U.S. situation. However, the, the, the quote, bullish U.S. was basically offset by what, uh, to the degree, to the extent you can talk about it, rather, with the increase in world-ending stocks. 
So um, if there's anything any, uh, the panel wants to add or, or, or from that, please please do, because if I've missed something, just let me know. Uh, anybody have anything you want to add? Or they see anything that I might have not discussed on this report we need to talk about? I'm going to take names. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, when was the last time, uh, this is Gerald, when was the last time that you can remember that USDA uh, raised U.S. production this far ahead of the May uh, uh, final? Uh, I talked to our acreage and, produ uh, acreage and production guy yesterday, and he said he doesn't remember them ever doing it in April. Oh, excuse me, in March. It's always been in April. April's the earliest they've done it. He said he didn't remember ever seeing it. Uh, so... That doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but let's just put it like this: it's been a long, long time. If yeah, I don't recall it. I don't recall it ever happening. Not that I. I mean, I think everybody expected it. I just don't think they expected it this month. Exactly, in the same way. But like I said, I don't remember one either. But of course, my memory sometimes on something like that's not to be entirely trusted. But but the fact is, it was unusual, and I do think it caught people a little off stride. The uh, uh, the the export number. I don't know what they're saying that they're being so conservative with with raising exports. Well, I take that does anybody have any ideas? Well, I, I certainly don't. I have obviously hammered them and hammered them to the point that I called and apologized and said I don't hate you. I just so disagree with you. But uh, their half a million bale increases for them is extremely strong. I was actually surprised when I saw it uh, because it was as strong as it was. I mean, they just don't do that. Uh, I think that they're just terribly, terribly conservative is the reason. Uh, I, I certainly would have taken it a little bit higher uh, without question. But uh, well, uh, at the same time, we give them uh, a, a backhanded slap for still being so conservative. I, I give them a plus for finally stepping forward. <laughs> well, I uh, I want to say that, I, I mean, I agree that it needed to be increased. I can see some things out there that potentially could create a problem, and I, I don't know how closely, or I'm sure, I mean, those guys follow just about everything. I, I don't think they miss much. But, you know, there's some still some questions, I think, about this on-call sales report, how that this extremely big imbalanced position is going to sort itself out. It may sort itself out through cancellations. Uh, that would potentially decrease that number. Uh, also, you know, we've, I think we discussed uh, last week the potential for the Indian situation to wind up, particularly if any of those sales are back-ended towards the back of the marketing year. We, uh, we may get some cancellations or switches on those or rolls forward. Uh, also, the Australian crop, depending on how that comes out, they may actually replace some cotton there. Some of the countries we deal with, we tend to forget sometimes don't follow the same sort of, uh, of contract honoring that's accepted in the United States. And, and we haven't seen that uh, since about 2010-11, at least in a big degree. But this is not to say when positions get really big uh, imbalances like they have now, <clears throat> excuse me, that we won't see some of that. So I don't know that that's what they're thinking, but it's one of the things when I look at it and go, we're running at a 13-3, a 13-4 pace. Uh, possibly more than that, depending on how you want to calculate it, particularly with this monstrous export uh, shipment we had this week. you got to believe that there's something going on in their mind to tell them they need to moderate that just a little. Uh, you can call it conservatism, but I don't think they're just sitting there saying, well, I want to be conservative. There's a reason for that. 
I wouldn't disagree with that. Go ahead. No, I'm not justifying their number. I'm just trying to, to, to think in my mind what in the world are they thinking, uh, right. but they're not putting a number out a little stronger than that. <clears throat> okay, uh, as we go along, we're, part of what we wanted to talk about today was the uh, was the where's cotton going, where's what's the price is going from here. Well, I mean, that's a pretty complex statement, so I'm going to talk about several things that, that should impact price. One I've already touched on, and that is the, uh, the on-call position, which is just really out of balance. We haven't seen anything this size since the 2010-11 crop year, and we know the prices just, quote, got out of control that year. Um, now, 2014, and I look at this, uh, taking the current crop net on-call position as a percent of open interest. For the same comparable week in 2010-11 crop year, uh, the on-call net position was 50% of total open interest. This year, it's 35.2%, and in 2014, it was 315 Those are the three highest, uh, at least going back to 2007, which is what I just quickly looked at uh, a couple of days ago. These are big positions. They have to be resolved. We talked about it over a period of time. Uh, most of these contracts uh, that the merchants have with overseas buyers have to be uh, completed uh, by first notice day of July contracts. So we've got some time on this, but still, these numbers are big. And the May contract as well is, uh, hold on one second, I'm going to just call that up. It is 22% of, of May open interest. And back in 2010-11, uh, it was 29%. So that gives you an idea on the nearby. Uh, we're, we're bumping right up to those levels. So clearly, we're going to be getting some switching and some fixing. But, but that is, uh, that's certainly a bullish factor, underlying bullish factor for this market. If we look just reaching out say, well, OK, let's look at our total position. Again, uh, What's reported by CFTC in 2010, the total was uh, as percent of open interest was 51%, and now it's 49. So <laughs> these are big positions, and they're going to have to be reckoned with over time. Uh, we keep kicking this can down the road, or I should say the mills do, but it's going to have to be dealt with. And that may be one of the things that USDA and others are looking at is kind of surmising or, or guesstimating how that's going to be resolved. Some of it will certainly. Uh, particularly if the market rallies uh, unreasonably, will be uh, resolved by cancellation. So that's one you factor, know, I think. I'm sorry. Kip, I, I just want to uh, – I didn't mean to interrupt you there, oh, but go ahead. You're, you're talking about these on-call sales as if every contract is a U.S. cotton bale. Um, and you keep talking about cancellations like it has to be U.S. cancellations. <clears throat> You know, there's 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 more. It's becoming uh, and it's increasingly common. You know, ten years ago, I don't think you would say that, but today, you know, they're hedging all growth almost on on New York. So it's it, and I would say that still the vast majority probably of on call sales is 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 U.S. cotton, but um, it's it's really hard to to make out who what cotton is being represented by all of those on call sales. Oh, no, that's a good point, but it, and it's well made. However, if they're using the ICE contract as a hedge, which I, I believe is what you just intimated, then uh, the futures contract is what's going to be impacted. And so 
that cancellation was still, you know, if, if you're using that to hedge, then it's still going to impact the ICE futures one way or another, uh, even in indirect. But, but, but your point's well made. It's not all U.S. cotton, and not every contract. It's a relatively small number of contracts out there now that I think may even be in jeopardy. It's just that we're so, um, the market appears to be so concentrated on this, so fixated on it, that if you were to start to get uh, some cancellation, it might get the attention. It might not, it might otherwise not get, I should say. So there's a psychological, uh, I think a psychological impact involved with this as well. But thanks, Gerald. I, I had not brought that up, and I'm glad you did. It, that is a good, very good point. Do you, uh, do you agree, though, the impact even the foreign cotton would uh, would still impact the market, the uh, the futures market, or am I? Do you think I'm going to lock base on that as well? Well, you know, I'm sitting here just sort of uh, uh, thinking out loud in, in terms of um, are they just going to cancel cotton and not buy any cotton at all? Are they going to just are they just going to go to another growth? I think they'll probably go to another growth, and chances so, are, if if they're just going to go to another growth, I don't know how that why that would necessarily be so negative for New York. <clears throat> you know, it kind of depends on how they do it. There's a lot of factors in here. I think the cancellation is a psychological impact, and if U.S. cotton or world cotton, which if U.S. is up real high, chances are world cotton's followed it up. You may get a switch to polyester, so in fact, you may not get a, a, a cotton purchase at all. Um, we saw a bit of that in 2010-11. Well, we saw a lot of that if you look at the cotton share on the uh, spending system. Uh, I, I don't really think that we're seriously in a situation where we get that kind of a price rise to be to be that dramatic. Um, but uh, but again, I, I kind of couch this just to say that you know that may be one of the things that USDA is looking at for export sales. Uh, maybe not, but uh, but I do think that is a. a Kind of a double-edged sword. It's bullish on the one side, very bullish on the one side, but if that situation changes dramatically, it can change the picture dramatically too. If, if I may, OA here, I, I really, I mean, I actually agree with both of you, and I really don't think you're as far apart as a listener may may, may think. I, I, definitely, it would impact the ice, but it would impact the ice, in my opinion, as well, Kip, as you say, from the from a psychological standpoint, not from a physical bail standpoint to the extent it was a number of years ago. But uh, the market is, uh, is uh, so, so uh, volatile in terms of activity and, and volume and, and, and the level of sales, uh, the, the, the psychology and the market psychology comes in. And, and, and that would provide some disruption. But I don't think, coming back to Gerald's side a little bit, I don't think the impact would be, uh, nearly as dramatic as it, it it was a number of years ago, but that's you know that's just the way I look at it. There, there are over eight million bales uh, that are going to have to be fixed, and uh, less than two month, less than two contracts now to uh, to do that fixing. So there's a tremendous amount of volume uh, that has to be fixed. So I'll shut up and uh, say thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. We're, we're talking. We're talking about higher prices that would generate anything like that. If we, and this won't happen, but if we don't go anywhere, and time's running out, we're not going to be seeing those kind of cancellations at at these levels. This is this yeah. is if we explode or if we get up uh, higher, right? 
I agree. Yeah, at this yes, point, yes, I, I, yes. yeah, you've got to go well up from these levels to really create the problem I'm talking about. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up as well because I sort of presumed that, that I had either mentioned that or that was, that was implied, but, but that's a good point. I do think prices have to go up a, quite a bit before, right. the, uh, before the mills would really feel like they needed to abandon these things. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about, if we will move on from the call, is, uh, is the commitment of traders, which uh, the commitment of traders report is large. It has been large for a while. Uh, it's continuing to do that. Uh, it's off from its recent high, and I look at this a couple of different ways. I like to look at the uh, combined futures and options position as a net percent of open interest. And, and the reason why I do that, we hear a lot of people talk about the contract position. I even hear people talk about the just the long position, they say the length of the market. Uh, and I think it's important that we knit that so we get kind of a, an honest perspective on it. And uh, now people that are fiercely bullish, I mean fiercely bullish, the ones who only talk about the, the quote, long, the gross long position, they don't always describe it like that, but that's what they're, they're talking about. The net position, uh, I think, is what we need to do uh, to concentrate on and a percent of open interest. Otherwise, it gets lost in relative terms. If you have uh, 100,000 contracts and your open interest is 130, well, that's a really big deal. But if you've got 100,000 contracts net long and it's 700,000 contracts uh, total open interest, well, that's a little different scenario. So I think we need to look at it like that. Right now, we are off of our, 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 our actual high levels uh, of over 20% for the large spec and managed money uh, position. Now, the le that's the legacy report I'm talking about now. Um, we've been as high as 20%, and right now we're about 12 or so, 12 and change. The point is the last one didn't change much. The last, uh, the last CFTC report, Commitment of Traders, was basically unchanged. A little bit of, of increase in that particular position. The uh, supplemental large was actually down just not enough to talk about, and the managed money was unchanged, uh, up just a shade. Again, not enough to really talk about. We've seen these things sort of stabilize in here. Uh, since that position, that position is, is calculated by on the Tuesday, the data collected through Tuesday. I believe that position has likely um, uh, reduced just a little bit, but we have a, uh, a so three more days today and two more before that data is collected. And in fact, I think we've probably added to it since we probably will wind up with, a, with an addition to that position. Now, having said that, we're down a little bit this morning. Some of, a bunch of the selling, I'm told, is long liquidation. So, in fact, uh, I may be uh, talking out of school. We may wind up having that position either unchanged or modestly lower uh, in the next report. Regardless of that, the specs are still, uh, they have a long position. And because they're not as long uh, as a percent of open interest, there's room for them to expand that position if they want to. And they can expand it quite a lot. We've seen them at much, much higher levels as a position, uh, as a, a percent of open interest. So that's a, a factor I think has the potential to be very bullish uh, if they decide to really come in here and go after it. On the other side, that on-call position that we discussed earlier that could present some problems along the way could be very much offset by a long spec position because the specs should provide them a market for which they, they can get out of their position. So that's another... Uh, now, I, 
because the, the cotton on call position got so, uh, I, I thought, a very good discussion. You, let's, uh, anybody want to discuss the, uh, the spec position? Is there anything there that we want to kind of elaborate on to help our listeners understand about this position? Kip, let me, I would just say that from the, from, from the sheer numbers uh, and, and some, as you indicated, some liquidation this morning, I think there's a little bit going on every day now, but uh, I think you mentioned that there's still a world of money that can come to cotton that, uh, in the, the, w w w the cotton long position is longer than what specs uh, have in copper, have in silver, and it's just incredible. Uh, for cotton to take that kind of spec money, it's uh, the third largest ag market out there, with in, in terms of spec money coming to the market, followed only by uh, sugar and, and soybeans. It's even larger than the corn market now with spec money in it, which again is incredible. Uh, and it's just because we're seeing a little some spec funds taking some profits. Now I think is should not be concerned uh, concerning to us because they're still coming in as well, uh, and I think uh, my gut feel is that uh, as much money as they've already made, it's very logical to begin taking some some out. But uh, as long as it continues to come in, you, we've got to continue to be bullish this market, in my opinion, particularly as I think we are trading the on-call position per se as opposed yeah. to actually trading cotton. Yeah. The mills yeah. are just trapped, and uh, they're trying to get out. And, and, yes, we're buying and selling cotton, but the market is really uh, it's, it's made a side market that controls everything, and that's the size of the spec position and how they're, excuse me, the size of the on-call position and how they're going to figure out how to get out. Thank you. Oh wait, let me ask you a question about, and this is the million dollar question. Where, where do you think the buying is under the market from mills? Basis to May. This at seventy-seven fifty-eight. And, and Pat, I'm sorry, but buying the, the fixations or buying? Yeah, where I mean, as as we look at support under the market right now, and we talk about well, the mills are going to need to to buy the market. Where is where do you think the buying starts below underneath us? Wow, a great question. I, I I would have thought it would have started a long time ago, and yet they have not done it. So where does it start now? Uh, I, I think any any sell off of fifty points, they 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 that come well better uh, start, but they've just not shown any indication to 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 sell it. It moves higher, and they still don't sell. Uh, you, so, you I, mean, I honestly can't answer your question. They are still adding. Yeah. You know, be a question about that. We'll find out. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess we found out yesterday, and I, to be honest, I forgot to look last night at the, at, at the uh, on-call sales. But at, at what I could put together prior to last night's report, it showed that they are still adding positions. So they're not playing a hand at all as to when they're going to sell. It's like they've got their head stuck in the sand. When who is going to sell away? Buy. Oh, excuse me, buy. I'm sorry, buy. buy. Okay. When, when the mills are going to buy, excuse me. There, there was some indication this week that uh, there was some fixing going on by mills. Um, yeah, but, and, uh, did, did any of you look at the report last night? I have to be honest and say I did. Yeah, May, yeah, May went down 3,355. 3, July went up 3,031. Uh, 
So for old crop position, you know, it was a little bit of a put. We had a net down in as much as, uh, uh, what's that, about 300 contracts down? Yeah. I mean, which, if I made, which is basically unchanged. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, much, in, in real numbers, not just not so. Uh, yes, technically, I'm incorrect to say they're still adding to positions, but uh, another week and they didn't change positions. They didn't buy. They they, they didn't find uh, any any reason to buy the market. But Pat, so back to your question, I uh, I, I cannot answer it. I, I'm totally buffaloed. Okay, Gerald okay. Mexico. So we, we did. I, I heard the same thing this week. There was some fixation going on. I believe what we're getting is reluctant fixation, reluctant buying. I think these mills, to always point earlier, recognize they're out of position. This thing is as far at levels they didn't expect. Uh, it's kind of the deer in the headlight look, I think. Uh, what do I do now? Well, if, if I wait long enough, maybe something good will happen. Um, that's usually, that normally ends in tears, actually. But I think we're in a scenario where. It's difficult to answer that question for OA or anyone else because the mills have had the opportunity over and over, and they keep their mindset is such that, oh, prices should go lower. So that just lends them to kicking the can down the road and makes it more and more difficult to answer when they're going to or at what level. It almost makes you think they're going to wait till the last minute and get into a panic buying situation, which is what I was indirectly alluding to earlier. I, you know, we saw them I, when Mark was at 65, 66 cents. I kept hearing, well, they want 62, 63. I don't hear numbers right now. I presume it's two, three, four cents below here, but we're seeing them incrementally buy. So I think it's just reluctant buying. They're afraid to let the market get away from them. Let me bring up something. Before we actually started recording today, OA had made a comment, and so did John, about prospective acreage increases for cotton for this new new crop year. John, share with us what your thoughts are as far as the amount of increase in acreage in, in for cotton in Texas. Well, okay. So I've I've my expectations have shifted up along with everybody's. Uh, I'll I'll say roughly, you know, a month ago I was thinking the US would be a million and a half higher, that we'd be at eleven and a half million. Now I think Texas will probably be a million and a half higher and I'm basing that solely on anecdotal reflections that I've been hearing for months. You know, reinforced by poor wheat uh, prices and a high cotton insurance price and some production problems with sorghum and in our world, that's no, that was tipping the interest, you know, in January towards expanding cotton. And now with the rally in prices, people are, you get back to the psychological effect, people are pumped, they're excited, they're coming to meetings and and um, it, I think it's just going to be widespread, particularly in very large regions like the Rolling Plains, which are heavily wheat, wheat cotton dominated, really wheat dominated. They didn't plant. There's a million and a half fewer acres year over year for winter wheat, so that ground didn't get planted. And you know, what do you guess it's going to get planted to? Um, that's just the wheat ground. So anyway, there's going to be a huge. I think a very large increase, and and that's really been coloring my price outlook because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with abandonment and, and crop development and yield potential. You know, we don't know yet, but there is good subsoil moisture, and they are forecasting neutral precipitation. You know, normal precipitation chances. They're even talking about a 50% chance of El Nino in the well, that's in the fall, but normal conditions in the summer. So we're not having a drought. So a lot of acres and um, and uh, starting off 
presumably well. Um, <laughs> it seems to me that we have within the same year the potential for December getting dragged up into the you know the seventy eight here before before the summer really gets going, and then the potential for a lot of downside price risk if if this thing you know several ifs there, but if this thing folds out and we have a strong crop on a lot of acres, we could see one huge swing uh in the December um and that's been coloring you know again my my stump speech lately you know uh john i, I was just sitting here looking at the acreage numbers <clears throat> you know 2011 texas planted texas was up 2 million acres from the previous year yeah what happened they produced uh 4.3 4.3 million fewer bales yeah yeah um now, I, I'm trying to recall, was there a major drought in 2011? Uh, <laughs> the, the, one of those million acres happened from March to June, <laughs> from the March report to the June report, and that was all uh, an insurance Late response. Late planted? Yeah, 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 it was an insurance response. Okay, it was an insurance response. High price and the, and the 11 drought. So, but we're, we're, we're not in that... You know, here comes the mother of all droughts kind of scenario. I mean, that, no, no, no. In the field, there's there's standing water. Yeah, I drove past standing water yesterday. Um, so this, it's the the soil moisture conditions are good this time, and yet we're putting in a bunch of acres, and it's it's not an insurance risk, even though the insurance price is seventy four, as is pretty strong. But it's a it's a it's a price response, and it's a planting cotton intention kind of response. Um, so we could have a we could have a big we could have a big downside price response to this if if we wind up with a whole bunch of strong production and if the demand is, remains in slow growth mode and you know all the boom of the export demand from the quality of the 16 crop if that passes with the 16 crop um, there's a potential for a lot of downside risk in my opinion. Well, let's talk about mid south uh, mid south acres. OA, would you mind repeating your story? Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. You. Let, please let me do that, but let me make one comment first. Right. And John said, and, and you guys will, will correct me, but you know, so much of this additional land out in Texas is going to be dry land. And I know we guys that look at it all the time understand that, but for our listeners, uh, a lot of that land is simply land that they're going to, like the wheat land, that they're going to go put, they'll put in cotton, and almost, almost, they won't even go back and look at it until it's time to harvest. It's low input land, and they've got the water. Uh, it's you know, I'm being a little dramatic in the way I say they won't even go back and look at it. I'm just simply <laughs> saying they've got the water, the land is there, and it's the, the the cotton that grows on it will be inexpensive in a relative sense. And it has all the inputs already in the ground necessary to make a huge crop. So it's it's set up anyway for them to, A, continue to increase planting on a day-by-day basis, just keep planting, planting. And, and I don't know if the seed companies can buy enough trucks to keep the seed at the turn row for the planters. But in the Mid-South, we're seeing a lot of the same things. I know at the Gin Show, Gerald and I were talking to a gentleman that said, uh, oh, in our area, it's uh, maybe be up about 25%, and that's all. But I'm going to be up 35 or 40%. Uh, and then I was talking to another group yesterday that went down to see their, their, 
the, the new gen, their gen that they are five years old, they're already expanding, dropping another $2 million investment in it. So, well, in our area, you know, about a 25%, but we're going up 45%. Uh, this is going to be the largest gen in the Mid-South now. It's not in the Delta, uh, not not anywhere close to the Delta. And the, the growers are just... Uh, it's a combination of one, the beans and wheat and grain, the corn, the price is not there. The cotton is there. The insurance is there. They've got these huge yields thanks to the seed companies. Now, obviously, Mother Nature had a lot to do with it this past year, but routinely they do see the, 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 the test results from uh, large-sized plots uh, with the seeds that the, the seed companies, the yields that the seed companies are, are proving now so there and in that sense the u.s world has turned to cotton again i think that it's important to recognize and i'm going to kind of go back to to uh to john's comment the texas crop uh in 2011 i guess it was planted uh, because of insurance and now the insurance is sort of an underlying factor it's protection but they're growing the cotton or, or the land's going in for the cotton itself, not for the insurance. And there's a little bit of a right. distinction in that. Uh, I think it's, it, our, our readers need to understand that it's it's there because the cotton price is good and there's potential for profit. It's not just insurance land. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's right. had, you know, the southeast, the, the southeast bleed over in the southeast from mid-south a little bit uh, down in the uh, South Alabama and over into Georgia a little bit into some of some of where peanuts uh, are, are very popular. We have gotten to the price now that uh, there will be some peanut land that, that cotton takes, and even as early as as as, as late as the first of February, that was not anticipated. And first of February, the conversation was, you know, cotton's getting a little bit high here. Uh, we might look at it later on, see what happens, and. A gentleman made the comment and said, well, another nickel, and we'll cure this peanut problem. Well, <laughs> we don't have another nickel, but we've got another three cents. And with the cash basis being what it is, uh, there's almost another nickel out there. Uh, so it, it, it's we will now see some, some peanut land that as late as 1st February will be switched to cotton in, in Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. A couple, and our, I'm sorry, I, someone was about to say something. I may have interrupted them. Go ahead. Okay, I, we discussed along the way the, the thoughts on, on price and things that impact price. Something we don't talk about a lot is, uh, is the economy. The GDP is terribly important both in the U.S. and the world. Uh, as the economies are active and, and consumers feel good about their uh, – their finances, they, they tend to go buy more. And cotton is one of those things, uh, not cotton itself, but cotton products through apparel, home furnishings, and so on, uh, benefit typically from a, a robust economy. Recently, the equity market, uh, well, until very recently, when we've had a little bit of a setback, uh, has been very hot on expectation that uh, the economy is going to be improving over the next couple of years. And that's Partially psychological, of course, because if you look at the economic numbers uh, that are being reported, those numbers remain sort of uneven, uh, mostly good. They're better than they have been, mostly good. 
but uh, there's some factors out there that are, that are a bit disconcerting. Uh, on, a, on a national basis, we've, we've got our consumer spending is a bit uh, distorted. It, it's dislocated. We're spending a lot on uh, student aid and automobiles. That's a lot of consumer spending right now. We're seeing uh, credit card debt actually uh, increase the smallest amount in January. It has, I think, since it was 2012 or something. Uh, so uh, although these things are there's this kind of imbalance I was talking about, Expectation, though, is by the end of 2017, some of these folks who really pay attention to this, uh, this credit card debt think that we'll be at or near uh, the levels we were just prior to the 2007 level if, in fact, uh, this euphoria uh, continues to exist regarding the U.S. and world economy. Uh, now, this is what I think is uh, kind of a consumer or a sentiment rather than the actual numbers because uh, about the middle of last year, the natural uh, business cycle uh, for U.S. should have peaked and started its turn down. We, we haven't seen that, at least not in a classical sense, but these numbers still haven't improved as dramatically as, as you uh, would like to in a, quote, robust economy. Much of what we may be seeing right now is this Trump administration sort of uh, uh, euphoric behavior ahead of expectations uh, of something's good, good is going to happen. Uh, the most seasoned economists uh, actually are saying GDP, if you've looked at the last couple of months, those numbers have been ratcheted down for 2017, most of them, and uh, picked up maybe a little unchanged, it picked up just a little bit for 2018, thinking that it may occur a little further down the road. Uh, OECD came out with a report uh, just this week uh, putting a lot of flags on the potential for the non-performing loans uh, outside the U.S., particularly in places like uh, China, Russia, Brazil, and areas of the EU, uh, could take this very uh, fragile sort of recovery you've got and just kind of uh, either slow it down or maybe even turn it a little negative. That is typically not a very good sign for, for mill use and for consumer spending. Um, the Fed, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, GDP now, the Atlanta Fed does a report where they, uh, during the course of the year, uh, as a report comes out, they just continually update that's impact on the uh, first quarter GDP. That number's moved down now from 2.3 to 1.2 in total, simply because the numbers, again, are coming in imbalanced, uh, kind of uneven, and not all as favorable as we'd like for them to be. So there are a few things out there that, sort of hurt or potentially hurt the demand side of this market. Uh, I'm not ravingly bullish, but I'm certainly not bearish today on this market near term. But there are some factors out there that could influence us uh, on the downside. If we get all this, this cotton uh, that we've talked about in the U.S., if uh, John's scenario, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, but we've got good subsoil moisture, we've got prospects for a continued good crop, We've seen fabulous yields out in Texas. If that were to occur again and the consumers aren't there to snap all this up, we could be in a situation where uh, your scenario of high prices now, low prices later could be pretty shocking. Uh, <laughs> now, I mean, there's a lot of water to go into the bridge before any of that would happen, but, but that's something I think we can't uh, sort of uh, totally discount out of hand. There could be something out there to... Uh, to hurt some of these fragile economies and impact consumer spending. Chip, I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, 
as everybody knows, before I write my final speech, I go through your stuff, paraphrase it, so I, I'll get everything right. I would just make the comment, and and and, and you were going to, you 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 brought this up in a roundabout way earlier about yesterday yesterday's export sales report. Uh, it, to me, it was as phenomenal as the prior two that showed a half million bales in sales. This one. And you'll have to correct my exact numbers. Let's just uh, round it off and say uh, export sales of Upland were around 260,000 bales. Uh, and Pima Gerald was around 14,000 bales. Shipments were half a million. But uh, that little figure in there about export sales for next year uh, may have been a larger one, but it was over 215,000 bales. So. In round numbers, we had another week of essentially a half a million bales of cotton or so, and it was and to 22 countries, uh, if I counted correctly, Pima and Upland, and that's uh, you all. We always stretch to say we sold to 20 countries, but there were a full 22 there. But the idea that we and when cotton prices the absolute highest we've seen all year, we sold 215,000 bales. For next year, and that to me just kind of kicked me in the seat of the pants and said, "Uh oh, what's happened?" And it's to me it just broadcast that mills are looking for some exceptionally strong demand down the road, uh, to vis a vis where price levels might could go. Uh, I, I'm not thinking price levels are going to go that high. Uh, as we get into the 2017 crop down the road. But uh, in the short term, I am extremely bullish. Uh, but I, I just see that someone is of the opinion that uh, a tremendous amount of cotton is still going to be, will need to be sourced uh, for, for for the spinning mills. Uh, oh, Ed, I agree with you because nothing else explains, in my mind, nothing else explains the new crop forward contracting that's going on right now, which otherwise I can't fathom why why contract offerings out here at a historically really, really good basis, including these, you know, APH-based dryland things, I would think that the merchants would be swamped with business, and I can't imagine why they'd be seeking it looking at what's about to be planted other than other than the description or the theory that you just uh, articulated that there you know somebody thinks that there's just going to be continuing new demand here a new crop demand I mean well wow. we need to ask, we need to ask the question go ahead go ahead oh oh and this is directed to you we need to ask the questions that all farmers are asking what do I do for new crop and i think you are at uh 60% uh, of a, of the new crop should be uh, hedged or marketed at this at this time. Is that right? I am. I am. I, every day I look at that and say, well, you know, why don't I wait for a cent higher? Why don't I wait for a cent higher? But it goes a cent higher, and I put my farmer's cap on and say, well, let me wait for another cent before I do it. So, but no, I think it's uh, for whatever reason, and it's, it goes higher. That's not my the issue in my mind. We are at a price level that's in the upper one third, just historical one third. It is time to price, and it's trying time to price a great deal of cotton uh, for 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 new crop. Sixty percent is a great level. I started down at seventy three cents and uh, seventy three plus, and I thought that would be the top, and 
Uh, it got to 74, and I did some more, and that's above 75, teetering there. But uh, I think we're very close to the top. So we're, we're, old crop's got to carry it higher if it's going to go higher, in my opinion. But uh, and we're close to that too. But uh, I, it's you know we're we're talking about 100 points to the upside or 150 points to the upside versus uh, six, seven, eight hundred points to the downside. The risk reward is just it just screams go ahead and price and price heavy okay uh well let's go ahead and go around the 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 group here and just ask for their thoughts on what prices might do excuse me let me make one more statement before the price that is uh there's another factor in the u.s that's starting to have a really big and i i'm going to ask the the panel what their opinion is on this uh the FOMC meets next Tuesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, next Tuesday to make a decision on U.S. interest rates. You know, the the, uh, the Fed rate. And today uh, was the last part of their equation. The employment report came out just a few minutes ago, at uh, the very high end of expectations at 235,000. The consensus range was 162 to 240. Uh, the actual average was 200. That is a pretty big deal. That was. Bigger than what you know, a lot of people expected, of course, because of that. And uh, the participation rate went up a little bit. The average hour earnings increased uh, just a little bit. It was up a 0.2 as opposed to 0.1 before. A little below what people were expecting, but that's a respectable good number. It's almost a lot now that the Fed is going to in, uh, increase their uh, their interest rate by a quarter percent. Um, I mean, this report would have had almost been a train wreck for that not to happen. Uh, as we start to increase these uh, these interest rates in the U.S., and the Fed has signaled that they're probably going to do that at least three times this year, unless something you know dramatically happens. How is that going to impact uh, the cotton here near term? I'm just trying to ask what the panel thinks about this. Well, all things being equal, it would uh, keep the dollar stronger, which isn't isn't a killer to commodity prices, but it's sort of a Headwind. Sorry. <clears throat> well, if hourly earnings are up, more people are working, um, you know, that certainly bodes well for, for you know, buying stuff off the shelf. Um, so, it, you know, it, it should mean that we should start seeing you know, more offtake at, at the retail level, um, slowly but surely. Well, well interest rates are so low now. I, I, I just personally don't think that 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 a quarter, uh, two more times, or a quarter percent rate, three more times is really going to be a drag on on on, on slowing the economy. Uh, I think the purchasing power of the consumer uh it's not going to slow that down it's going to help uh, if anything it'll help grow the concert the consumption the consumption's power the consumer's power and it will be a plus to demand uh in the short term within the next year right. uh, later on then we have to be a little more careful as to how fast rates increase how fast inflation rises well thank you for that one you know i I, I agree with the comment that it could help the demand or should help the demand, particularly in the short term. But when the U.S. is, and, and 
I think uh, Owe made a great point about it's one thing to raise a quarter percent, but when you're raising from such a low rate, it, it really doesn't have the impact. You don't use that expression of, oh, we're trying to calm an overheated economy when you're in a scenario when <laughs> when you raise the interest rate and you, you don't even notice it. But I think one thing we have to be careful about is U.S. is beginning to raise their interest rates at a time where the business cycle's at the, at the back end of the cycle and where we read that the EU and others are considering uh, a little bit looser policy. So that may, to, uh, yeah. uh, to John's point, move the dollar disproportionately out and give us one of those scenarios I kind of talked about earlier where uh, you get a dislocation in, in currencies and that could impact uh, kind of this aggregate uh, country situation. Sovereign debt and non-performing loans is beginning to be problematic in the world market. Uh, in the near term, I'm glad that y'all agreed with me in the near term. It's probably a net uh, plus because I was hoping I didn't miss anything there. <laughs> Thank you. Let, Thank you. That's Doug. a good point. Let's go ahead and wrap up here and say, Kip, let's start with you. Give us your thoughts on prices, uh, old crop in and new crop. How high can we go? How low can we go? Well, the current crop, uh, how high can we go? Again, you know, that, that's a function of this on-call position, and if these guys get panicked, I, I'm beginning to believe that they're going to try to ease their way out, although the numbers, as O.A. pointed out, they're, if they're doing it, boy, they're still doing it in a stealthy fashion because they're just not, these numbers are not changing much. So I think we've got the potential for the market to go up two, three, four cents or so. I don't think it's going to hold long at that level. Uh, simply because uh, I just don't think you're getting new buying. Of course, I didn't think we'd get the kind of new buying that we got in this last report with prices where they were either. So uh, I think the bias on that would be up. So I'm thinking three or four cents in that perhaps. Uh, the downside on this maybe again, three or four cents without much. I mean, I know that doesn't sound clever, but there's just no real reason I can see out there now in the old crop uh, to be bearish more uh, stable to a little bit higher. New crop, oh my goodness. Uh, it sounds like, it, from today's discussion, it added to what we've been hearing, acreage is getting bigger and bigger. I'm hearing that a lot of the African countries are starting to, uh, for the same reasons it's attractive here, it's attractive there, they're starting to put some of their national funds into uh, increasing and restoring cotton area in some areas uh, in East Africa, and believe it or not, even in West Africa. So uh, the, this is not going to be a huge amount of cotton, but it's just going to be on the margin, and just about everything they produce is sold in the export market. So that, that may add a little bit more to the world. So I'm not nearly as bullish new crop. I think maybe we got a, a 76, 77 cent. Of course, uh, the other day I put an order in for folks to sell at 76 and a quarter, and that's when we started going back down. But uh, I think 76 cents, 77 were topped out there. And the low end, I, I think we could go to at least uh, 62, 63 cents with a good crop. Uh, and that depends if the demand continues to hold up. It could go a bit lower if we get some sort of demand problem out there. Okay, Gerald, let's go to you next. Um, I would have to concur with, with Kip on, on his uh, assessment. You know, this thing is uh, – Twice now, it's tried to get through 80 cents on the nearby contract, and it's starting to struggle. But uh, um, you do have a lot of fixing left, so I do think we're going to make 
we're going to make a, a final push toward 80 cents and, and maybe get as high as 83 cents. You know, new crop, uh, these acreage numbers uh, um, are just are, are going to have to, they're going to start getting somebody's attention. And, and uh, you know, near term, you're looking at new crop or old crop uh, on-call sales and, and purchase imbalance. In new crop, you know, the there's there's more selling now than than buying, um, so you know growers are certainly looking at uh, at being a little more, a little friendlier. Um, so I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure how much higher we've got. I thought 78 cents. I just don't quite think we're going to get to 78 cents on on new crop unless we have some some problems, but uh, uh, down the road. And uh, the, the the downside, uh, you know. Mid mid to lower 60s uh, at at some point down the road if if the crop comes in, um, you know at, at least as good as this year if not if not better. Okay, John, give us your thoughts. Uh, so I'm in agreement that the old crop contracts could have some fireworks associated with uh, with this uh, on call stuff with the with the hedge funds sitting there um, watching that and expecting it too. That would take them take them over eighty, and so I, I'm thinking they might, you know, if they do that, if there's three or four cents in them, then I'm thinking December could be dragged as high as seventy eight on on this effect, and that's my high. I, I think I've had seventy eight sixty three has been my range for the last three or four ag market network opinions, and and I'll stick to that. I'm just I'm increasingly wondering about the possibility of actually tra- traversing that range from top down, but then the low end again depends on you know two or three conditional ifs. A bunch of things have to add up. Okay, OA. So three things, Pat. I, yes, I think probably eighty-two, eighty-three cents on the top side for old crop, and seventy-five, seventy-six cents on the bottom for old crop. If in fact we get into a heated situation. With uh, with on call sales, and I'd say that's still a decent chance. Then uh, just eighty five cents and up, just go as high as you want to. If we really get into a, a one or two day squeeze uh, on, on getting rid of these old these these on call sales, we, we we can we can blast above B L A S T blast above eighty three cents and just go as high as you want. Uh, uh, well, I'll just shut up and say, well, you know, I've said 90 cents, so maybe it can go that high with beating around the bush. But uh, that's not expected, but it could happen. Now then, on new crop, uh, wherever old crop takes it to the top side, we talked about 78 cents. Uh, if things turn out to be as uh, uh, controlled or, or normal trading, uh, viable trading, uh, 78 cents does get to looking a little bit toppy now. 76 cents, uh, awfully close to the top. But every time I've said that, we've gotten another penny higher. But uh, it's difficult to see anything much higher than that. Downside, as we suggested, uh, I think all of us somewhere at 65 cents to the to the bottom to 60 cents even on the bottom. Just depending on how how the the crop goes. Third thing, and it's not what you ask. With your permission, I would like to ask. And I'd like to ask my cohorts to go first, and so I, I don't. My my opinion, the bias them. What will the not what will the March thirty one planted acres intentions be? What do you think today U.S. plantings will be? 
And if one of y'all would go first, I promise I'll give you my number, and I have it in my mind. I just don't want to bias anybody. John, well, where, where do you think U.S. planning will, will go? Or is everybody hung up? <laughs> well, uh, anybody else? Uh, Kip? Uh, I, uh, I've been I've been playing with my number for planted acreage goes up. It seems every every time I have a conversation or every time I, I look at numbers, I just see more and more. I uh, I'm thinking the number. I'm gonna have to give a range because I don't know how to. At this point, it's it's still a moving target. But I think we're gonna be anywhere from about eleven eight to twelve one. Uh, my biases will be closer to eleven eight than twelve one. Gerald. <clears throat> Well, uh, uh, you know, listening to to John talk about Texas, you know, I'd be closer to twelve two right now. Okay. Uh, John, are you still there? Excuse me, Pat, for uh, no, taking your that, role. No, I think he's gone. What, what uh, are yeah, your numbers? Uh, are well, my number was twelve, and and, uh, and I was thinking y'all were gonna boohoo me and run me out of the building for being so high. All of a sudden, now see, I'm the low, I'm the low one. I've been <laughs> the high one, and now I'm the low one. That's how fast this is changing. This is how quick growers are still making decisions uh, as they look at this market. And, and in the next week, if debt goes to $0.76, cents, a full $0.76, cents, then the 12-2 may not be high enough. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's incredible. And as Kip points out, the growers in Africa are seeing this same price too. And, that's, and they're going to plant. And that's why all of a sudden we say, uh, that could go to sixty cents if all this that land gets planted. And that's why we say, you know, start doing some heavy price percentage of uh, but heavy pricing now. Uh, okay, so if, we get if we get you twelve two oh a, what happens to December the next day after that number comes out? Do we go down, you know, <laughs> two cents for I mean, that's a I agree with you, this number's getting bigger every day, but we most of us have been kind of bulled up or at least had a bullish bias here in near term. I think twelve two is going to knock some folks out of the water, don't you think? Oh, huge, yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah, it was three hundred point limit. I don't. Maybe it's just two hundred ninety eight points down for two consecutive days. <laughs> maybe not limit down. <laughs> but yeah, it's just jerking the rug out from money. Well, you, you well, know, Owe, your your point about <clears throat> heavy pricing, I think right now is it, it needs to be. It's seriously considered by by growers, and and when I sit here and look at the on call purchases, you know what pricing needs to be done by growers. Maybe they're getting pretty good basis levels, but you know the last two years, it it's been beneficial to sit there. It's it's almost you're you've almost been better off as a grower to to have not done anything and to, and and just sell your your cotton as it as it comes in, and um, the. Uh, I, I don't know that that can that can hold water for for three years in a row. That's right. Um, yeah. And typically, that's an unusual situation. Realistically, you need to have quite a bit of that stall at the front end because typically this market goes lower on on uh, during the growing season. We you know we get hiccups, but when it comes around harvest time, that cotton's you know prices are, are pretty well depressed. You're right. It's been the thing to do. This may not be the year to follow that that tact at all. All right. Well, any other comments before we end our meeting? All right. Well, a good meeting today. We went a little long, but that's fine. Let's just wrap it up by saying our thanks to Bayer.
Crop Science for being our sponsor. Thanks to Kip for leading us today and to our other speakers for all the contributions they made. And that's it. That concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you, Pat.